Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice. This week's guest is Bo Clark. Bo is a longtime head men's basketball coach at Flagler College in St. Augustine, Florida. He was a three-time All-American at the University of Central Florida, where he is still the all-time scoring leader in school history. He has also run his Bo Clark basketball camps for over 40 years and is a recent author of the book, Torchy, The Humble Life of a Coaching Legend, that traces the successful coaching career of his father, the legendary Gene Torchy Clark. I hope you enjoy the next few minutes with Bo Clark. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice, and with me this week, Bo Clark, the longtime head men's basketball coach at Flagler College in St. Augustine, Florida. Bo, welcome to the podcast. We're really looking forward to learning more about you, so welcome. Thanks, Tim. It's uh, great to be here. I've been looking forward to it all week, and uh, I'm sure we're going to have a, a good visit. Yeah, I'm sure of that. And uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Bo. Tell us a little bit about your background and uh, kind of where, where you come from. Well, you know, I, uh, I'm i 63 years old, and I'm going to start kind of uh, backwards a little. And I'm, I'm a retired uh, college basketball coach. I coached at uh, Flagler College in uh, St. Augustine, which is one of the nicest cities probably in the country, uh, for 31 years. Um, I was really fortunate to get the job at a young age at 25. And, uh, but it's been, uh, and I was, I, I was actually at Flagler two different times. They hired me in 82 to 84, and then I left for five years, and then they hired me back in uh, 1988, which really doesn't happen that much in coaching. It, it happened some, but so I was really fortunate that uh, they hired me back. But uh, I've been out of it now uh, for four years. I'm, uh, I, I call it semi-retired. I still run uh, basketball camps uh, in the summers. I run uh, three or four weeks here in St. Augustine, and then I run three or four weeks in, uh, in the Orlando area. And uh, it's, uh, it's just a different uh, time in my life. I, I finished my book about a year ago, and we'll kind of talk a little about that. But uh, but I feel really blessed and fortunate. I uh, grew up in Wisconsin, uh, the son of a coach. My dad uh, coached at a school called Appleton Xavier High School. And uh, he had a chance to coach Rocky Blyer from the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and uh, during that stretch. And my dad was not only the head basketball coach, but he was also the head football coach. That was in the 60s when a lot of coaches did that. So I, I was tagging along with him. I have come from a big Catholic family of five. And uh, my dad would bring a couple of his kids to practices. So I had a chance to, to kind of learn. I also had a chance to kind of shoot baskets on the, on the side or throw the football by the blocking dummies. But it was really, it was really a fun atmosphere. Uh, Appleton, Wisconsin is really just kind of a cool city. It was the time and place where you know, you could ride your bike to, to little league games. You could ride your bike downtown that you didn't have to worry about, you know, I think half the time my mom didn't even know, you know, where, where I was. It was, and, you know, just so much different uh, than today. But I, I was really fortunate to, to have a dad that, 
that was a coach and, and uh, he was a really big influence on me uh, in my life. And uh, my mom was a, a PE teacher, um, but she, I kind of laugh at that because my mom really didn't know much about sports, but there happened to be an opening at a school in uh, Winter Park. And uh, she ended up uh, getting the job and stayed there for 25 years. And, uh, but, but both my parents passed and, and uh, I know they're in a better place now, but you know, I miss them every day. Sure. Well, and I was going to ask, uh, you know, your father, Eugene Torchy Clark, um, you know, that, did he coach you in college? Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't mention that. I was, I went to high school at a school called Orlando Bishop Moore Catholic. And uh, I was there for four years. I had about 10 offers. I could have went to Florida, Providence, Stetson, South Alabama. Uh, and then my dad offered me a scholarship. And, uh, and I decided that, hey, you know, this is something that I want to do. I've been watching them since I was, you know, five, six, seven years old. And uh, I just wanted to play for them. So I ended up going to UCF uh, back then. Um, it was actually called my first two years, it was called Florida Technological University. And then my junior year, they changed it to UCF. Uh, at the time, we were NCAA Division II, but we always kind of sprinkled in about four or five Division Ones. And we really competed well uh, with a lot of the, the Division Ones. Um, I was a, a physical education slash history major. Um, and I've been married now for 37 years to my wife, Nancy, that should be up for sainthood pretty soon. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but I've been really fortunate and blessed. I, I have really supportive, uh, uh, I have four, uh, three brothers and a sister uh, that really helped me with the book and, and kind of reminded me of some stories about our dad. And, uh, but it's been a, it's been a great journey. And, uh, you know, when I think about, I, I was at Flagler for 31 years, but I coached for 36 years. I was really fortunate and, and really uh, blessed to be coaching uh, that long in my career. And uh, I've, uh, it's something that I, I truly enjoy. Yeah. Well, one question I had, you know, is it's interesting thing when I think about all the, the many coaches that uh, ended up in Florida that were Midwestern or from, you know, the yeah. Buffalo area or whatever. It's very interesting how that ended up. I mean, that Tampa area, it seemed like there were a lot of folks that ended up down there from, from uh, other parts of the country. Was it because of the weather you think? Well, I think that, uh, you know, I think if you, you have a choice of, of uh, Indiana, Iowa or Wisconsin, you know, the, uh, the weather, the uh, cost of living is, is really, you know, really great in, uh, in Florida. I think a lot of people are just uh, interested in moving here and it's even happening now in 2021 where a lot of New Yorkers and, uh, you know, from Connecticut and, and even California have, have moved to Florida. I was, saw a report yesterday that, that they, uh, the home sales have never been at this peak ever in the state of Florida. And, you know, this is during a pandemic. So it's, a, uh, it's an amazing, and, and it, it is really great here right now. It's about 65 degrees. It's really beautiful out. It's a great place to be. 
Yeah, no kidding. I'm sure. Um, so tell me a little bit, uh, you know, right now with your, you're really big into, into your, the book that is really honoring your father. Um, right. and, and, but also you, you have your, uh, camp business. Tell us a little bit about your camp business. Well, I, uh, I've been running camps now. This will be my uh, 41st year, uh, this coming summer. I, I wasn't able to do camps last year as a lot of coaches couldn't do camps because of the pandemic. So I'm kind of excited to kind of get back in the saddle with, with camps. But uh, in San Augustine, I, uh, I used the college uh, for all the years I was there, but, but now the, you know, the new coach gets the gym and I totally understand that. So I use like a, a local middle school for the, for the camp and it's for boys and girls ages five to 16. And, and, uh, you know, we try to teach a lot of fundamentals. We try to really teach some life skills and I try to get the best counselors. And, and uh, I think, you know, the big thing is I want the kids to have a good time, you know, have a good experience and, and uh, you know, tell others that they enjoy the camp. And, and at the same time, we also provide a lot of competition like three on three, free throw contests, hot shot contests. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really been a labor of love. And I, you know, I've been really fortunate, same thing, I've used that word fortunate several times, that I've been able to do camps, uh, you know, for 41 years. Well, and it probably helps even with the young uh, person that comes to your camp to know that the person who's leading the camp uh, could very well be one of the greatest players in UCF history, an All-American um, I don't even know where you'd stand on the all-time scoring list. Probably still up there, I would assume. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm first. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a very humble guy. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, that was another another thing where I, I give my dad a lot of credit. Not that he wanted me to score a lot of points, but because we we were 88 and 20 during my four years at UCF. And, um, you know, we were 20 and five and 20, 24 and four, 19 and seven, and then 25 and four. So we had a lot of success. And, you know, sometimes when you're the coach's son and you're shooting, you know, 27, 28 attempts a game, if your team's losing, <laughs> you know, there's going to be some, some, you're going to be getting some calls and some e emails from parents and some people, fans are going to be complaining, but, when you're winning, um, you know, sometimes the, the critics have a tendency to, to, to you know, kind of lighten up and so forth. And I always, I always gave, gave, gave God uh, the credit for my success. I always wanted to be humble. I, I know I wasn't humble when I said I'm first in all-time scoring, but I, I know as soon as people listen, they'll, they'll go on the UCF website and check. But... Uh, it, uh, you know, I, I didn't really play the part of a, of a cocky slash superstar. I was, I was real humble. Um, I didn't really even date that much when I was in college. And, you know, I was averaging 27 points a game or whatever. And I, I just, uh, you know, I was in FCA. I was the captain of our FCA, which even today, it was really a, a thrill just to be a part of that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think if I had a different personality, even though we were winning, 
being the coach's son would have been difficult, but I think I made it easier just with, uh, you know, my day-to-day -day interactions, not only with our fellow players, but uh, with fellow students and fans and so forth. Sure. Well, when you think about the, the beginning, you know, when you first fell in love with sport, I'm sure your dad had a major impact on that. Would you call, would you say he was the first person to hold a ladder for you to climb the great success? A hundred percent. It's my dad. And that's why I, I wrote the book. I, uh, you know, my plan was to, after I was done coaching to maybe teach at Flagler. And if it was even an adjunct position, I was just going to teach a class or two, maybe a coaching class or uh, intro to sport management, but I was so much into the book and they actually offered me uh, an adjunct job, but I turned it down because I was about two thirds of the way done with the book and uh, I wanted to get it done. Uh, you know, it wasn't my dad's dying wish um, to get a book written about him, but you know, we did talk about it about five years before he died. Um, you know, he said, you know, Bo, I've got some some good notes. I've got some some good stories that I'd like you to try to find a, a sports writer or a writer to you know maybe do a story on on these stories on my life. And he said it in, in you know definitely a, a humble way. It was wasn't cocky or anything like that. But it took me about eight years to you know I asked about ten writers from the Orlando Sentinel, from the Jacksonville Times Union. Um, Miami and asked about 10 guys if they were interested in writing it. And, and you know, when you write a book, it, it's really time consuming. So I didn't know I was going to write it. But after taking your class, I said, I'm good enough now to, to, <laughs> to write a book. And, and uh, it was something that, uh, you know, when I look back on it, um, you know, my dad definitely held the ladder for me. And let me just explain this a, a little more. It wasn't just the coaching aspect of it, but you know, my dad helped me get the flagger job when I was 25 years old. Um, you know, if that was 2021, uh, back then it was 1982. If it if if it was the same scenario in 1982, that 2021, the landscape with coaching, I wouldn't have gotten the job at 25. There's no way. But I, I, I always kind of, and I kind of mentioned this in the book that, you know, I think there was definitely divine intervention uh, with me getting the Flagler job. Um, a quick story about that. The uh, Flagler dean um, called my dad. Uh, and this was, uh, I, I played for Athletes in Action for a year. And then I got a job at my alma mater teaching social studies and coaching the JV team and, uh, and then I was assistant varsity. And my dad got a call from a flagler dean and he said, you know, hey Torchy, uh, I, I heard that you have a really great assistant. His name was Ray Ridenauer. And uh, he said, can you tell me about him because we have an opening here at Flagler. So my dad goes on and on about, you know, Ray Ridenauer and, and he was an excellent coach and did some great things for my dad at UCF and had a great career at Daytona Beach State. And my dad talks about Ray and, you know, recruiting, you know, uh, great with the players, great teacher, everything that, that you want to hear. And, 
And then he said, at, 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 like towards the end of the conversation, it was like a little bell in his brain kind of rang. And he said, hey, what about Bo? You know, he said this to himself. So he said, he said to the dean, he said, you know, I'm not taking anything away from, you know, Ray Ridenour because he would be a great fit. But let me tell you about my son, Bo. And, uh, and then he kind of talked about me for five minutes. Uh, two days later, um, I was walking around Flagler College with the president of Flagler. They offered me the job on the spot. It's about two hours from Orlando to St. Augustine. And I think that was truly divine intervention there. I think, I think God wanted me to be in St. Augustine and, and maybe be an influence on, uh, on my players or my students. Um, I was teaching, and, and you know this from being a, a teacher coach, especially at the college level. Um, I got the job. I had to teach nine hours each semester. And they weren't like, you know, uh, like a, a skills basketball class where you roll the balls out and you go in your office and watch, watch tape. I was teaching theory courses where you had to prep and you had to get ready. So I taught nine hours. I coached uh, the basketball team. I was an advisor. And at the same time, I, was, I began my master's at, uh, at UCF. And uh, the president at Flagler knew I didn't have my master's degree. And he said, Bo, to teach these classes, you have to at least, you, you know, within the next two years, get your master's. And I was fortunate that the teachers at UCF kind of worked with me. I, I would miss a class or two, but most of the time, you know, I would tell the assistant, hey, you know, you take free throws and sprints at the end. I got to head to Orlando for my six o'clock class. But, uh, but yeah, uh, definitely 100%. It, it, was my, it was my dad that, that held the, the ladder for me. And then uh, I want to also mention, too, that my brothers uh, and my sister were just tremendous support not only in my basketball career, but my coaching career. So my family was, was really, really influential in, uh, in a lot of my success. Wow. Well, and, and I guess when I think about, you know, getting such an early start in your career at 25 as head coach, do you, um, you think about the challenges that you faced in 1982 compared to when you retired a few years back? I mean, uh, do you think that just being in the in the game and getting the experience you had all over all those years, I mean, the challenges changed? I mean, was it just a sign of the times, a different thing, each uh, scenario that you were in? I mean, uh, how did the challenges change as you continued through your role? Well, I think it, I actually think it was easier to coach back in 1982 than my last year, 2017. I, I think that, uh, with emails and technology and social media, which you didn't have in 1982, you know, you know, and, and you know, for the most part, 90% was positive. But you know, when you know, I had a couple of tough years at Flagler, and sometimes you would see something on a on a post or or whatever that you know that that kind of hurt you. Whereas in 1982, um, I think you could be a little more intense. And I don't mean, you know, Bobby Knight throw a chair, but I think you could kind of really, you know, get into the players in terms of when I say get into them, I'm talking about yell at them. 
and uh, and and I think the the kids were seemed like the, a little tougher in '82. And remember, Tim, that when I was 25 years old, <laughs> I, I kind of laugh at this myself. I was coaching. There was three or four guys on my team that were 22 years old, and uh, so I was. It was almost like I said to myself, "Am I a big brother?" or am I a father figure? And I said, no, it's more big brother. I said, but I gotta be really tough on these guys. I can't, you know, if they say, hey, let's all go to Chili's, you know, let's go get a pizza. You know, I had to keep my distance. And I think I, I kind of knew that um, just from kind of watching my dad interact with, with his players over the years. My dad had, had a great relationship with his players and I did too, but at the same time, I knew when it was their time and when it was the team's time, whether it was a, a pregame meal or whether it was on a trip eating at Golden Corral, that you know you could kind of joke around and with the players and versus being in the locker room ready to take on Augusta or take on USC Aiken. Sure. Um, now, uh... As far as when you think about the skills that are essential for success as a sport professional, that whether it's coaching, uh, administration, uh, sports sales, sport marketing, uh, the whole gamut, what, what do you think are some of the skills that are necessary for a, a success? I think one of the most important things, Tim, is that you have to have to build relationships. And I know, you, you know, on question six, you use the word networking. And I, I like to use the word build relationships more than networking, because when you build relationships, you know, that could be at a coaching clinic, that could be at a sport management conference, um, that could be at a recruiting event, um, that could be at uh, a road race that, that you're helping run. Um, you know, it's all about building relationships. And, you know, in, in today's world, Sometimes you can build a relationship real easy through social media. And then you finally get a, you get, you almost get a head start because of social media where in 1982, you know, you had to have somebody call for you and you had to send your resume. You know, you couldn't email it, you couldn't scan it. And uh, it was just a, a different time. But I think building relationships and also humility and, and I know I said I was the all-time leading scorer at UCF, which usually I, I probably would have kind of skimmed over that and said, oh, you can check the record books. But humility is, is so important. And when I think about when I was 25 years old, um, I went into each practice and I, I didn't go in there as a cocky coach. I, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a, a mentor. Um, I wanted to be a disciplinarian. I, I wasn't interested in, you know, going out for pizza and I wasn't interested in, in having, you know, your favorite players and so forth. Uh, I was interested in building a basketball program and building relationships, you know, positive relationships, not only with your players, but also with the fellow faculty, with the fellow staff members at the school, with people in the community. Um, and, and that I can't emphasize enough, you know, how important building relationships, uh, my son, and uh, I don't even know if you know this, but 
we really have a, a three generation um, coaching tree in the Clark family. Um, you know, my dad played at Marquette in uh, 1947 to 51. I know that because of the book. And uh, he didn't play much at Marquette, but he was on scholarship and uh, graduated from Marquette in 1951, coached at uh, Appleton Xavier High School, got the UCF job. And then after he was done uh, at uh, UCF, he ended up uh, teaching classes. He taught about six or nine hours every semester for almost 15 years. So he had a chance to be an influence not only on his athletes, but his students too. The second generation is myself uh, coaching at, you know, coaching at, at Flagler for 31 years. And then the third generation is my son, JP. And uh, JP is short for John Paul. Um, for eight years, he was an NBA assistant coach for Doc Rivers. He was a, a year with the Clippers, I'm sorry, with the Celtics for a year, and then seven years with uh, the Clippers. My other two sons, I have, I have three sons, and uh, you know, JP, and then my middle son is a financial planner with Merrill Lynch. And then my youngest son is a real estate agent, sells homes. So I've really only got one in, uh, one that's actually a, a coach, but he constantly um, talks about building relationships. And, you know, he was fortunate to get with uh, Doc with the Celtics because he built a relationship with Austin Rivers. And then Austin said to his dad, hey, dad, there's a really good young coach in the Orlando area. Uh, JP at the time was working at UCF under Donnie Jones, who's now at Stetson. And uh, JP was uh, fortunate enough to work on Austin and he ended up, um, you know, Doc called him and they went out to breakfast and Doc offered him a job with not only the Celtics, but also with the uh, G League, with the main, uh, the Red Claws in uh, Portland, Maine. So he did that for a year. And then when Doc went to uh, the Clippers, he said, you know, he called him. And I, I still remember the call because JP was, was with us then. He said, hey, JP, I, I just got the Clippers job. Are you interested in moving to LA? And JP said, hey, I'll, I'll be out there tomorrow. And, uh, you know, he was so excited about it. But it really is cool when you, now in the book, uh, the book is not, there's a picture of the three generations but I, I really, the book is on my dad. It's, it's about Torchy Clark. It's, I don't really get into, um, you know, I was, I coached all three of my sons at Flagler. Now, am I crazy or was that a great thing? I don't know, but I wouldn't have changed anything about it. They all had different stories, um, but uh, it was really, uh, it was something that they wanted to do. They all had great high school careers. They were very good basketball players, but but, uh, you know, it, when, I, when I talk about building relationships, whether it's sports management or whether it's in banking or whatever, um, you know, JP was able to develop a relationship with Austin Rivers. And then he developed a relationship with Doc Rivers and Ty Lu. And I was actually kind of hoping that, that those relationships would help him get a job and, you know, rebound. But you know, sometimes the, the good Lord has other plans. And I think he's got a, a plan for JP, whether that's the, 
Cleveland Cavaliers or Cleveland State. Um, I don't know, you know, maybe he's going to go into banking or uh, real estate like my other son, but uh, it is really cool with the, with all three of us, uh, three generations. Well, and, and I appreciate you uh, being willing to share about JP and, and, you know, obviously being the third generation uh, coach in the, in the Clark coaching tree. Uh, but one thing I wanted to jump on pertaining to that would be there have got to be people out in the audience that are maybe dealing with the same thing JP's been dealing with. I mean, you talked about relationships. What are some pieces of advice that you maybe would give someone out there in the audience that's listening that may be dealing with what JP is? Well, I, I think there are a lot of people like JP that that uh, maybe got laid off because of the pandemic. Uh, and, uh, you know, JP didn't get laid off because of the pandemic. He got, he got laid off because they didn't win game five, six, or seven. But that being said, I think, um, you know, I think there's a lot of, he's 35 years old and, you know, he's out in uh, California now uh, visiting with his girlfriend and he'll be, be back here, I think within about the next month. But, you know, he has a lot of time. He, uh, every day, I bet you he's on the computer and he's not playing Pac-Man or anything, but he's, he's working on his relationships. He's touching base with Sam Cassell. Uh, he's working for, I don't know if, you know, Kevin Eastman, who uh, is, uh, you know, was Doc Rivers' assistant, both with the Celtics and the Clippers. He has, you know, when, when my son JP says, if you ask him, and if you ever wanted to have him on, he would be a great guest. He's actually, I think, sharper and, and better at, at uh, these interviews than, than I am. But he would probably say the person that helped him hold his ladder was Kevin Eastman. And right now, Kevin Eastman is a retired coach, but what he does is he goes out and he speaks to uh, basketball uh, teams, whether it's University of Richmond, whether it's Wake Forest, whether it could be uh, women's teams or men's teams. It even could be a different sport, lacrosse or whatever. Now, his career, his lifestyle was taken off for about two years. And, it, and then it really got held off because of the pandemic is, you know, you can't go speak to the Wake Forest men's and women's team with, you know, 40 people. So, him and JP have been kind of working together and it's really been good for JP because it gives him a chance to build that relationship with Kevin even more. Uh, and they stayed in touch, but not nearly as much as they are now. But my advice would be to stay connected, you know, to not just, you know, watch TV and, you know, you know make 15 phone calls a day uh, send out emails, uh, you know, be on social media, uh, reach out, uh, to friends, you know, uh, talk to, um, uh, people that can maybe help you, but at the same time, be humble about it too. Uh, I think one of the things that the younger generation, there's a tendency sometimes to, kind of get your first job and, and kind of be a know-it-all. I think, I think that's where humility comes into play. And that's where I give my son so much credit because when, when he was with the Celtics, 
his first year and the Red Claws, he was like a sponge. He wanted to learn everything. And he wasn't a know-it-all like, hey, you know, uh, on this pick and pop, uh, you're doing it. You know, he, and that's, I think that's why they liked him. I, I think they also liked him. And this is something for anybody that's listening, be positive. It, it, you're going through a rough stretch. And, you know, if you're a Christian like I am, you know, you believe that God has a plan for you. And sometimes, you know, those plans are kind of, you know, put, put to the side. And for some reason, the good Lord wanted him to sit out uh, for this year. Uh, hopefully he gets, a, he gets a job. But, um, you know, I think that that's the one thing that Doc Rivers loved about JP was the fact that he was so positive with the players. Um, you know, he would call a player to the side during a shoot around before they started and he would show them a, a videotape and he would say, Hey, Jamal on this pick and on this pick and pop, you got to create more space. And, uh, you know, instead of, you know, instead of being negative and, uh, I think doc caught on to that doc liked the fact, you know, his, I think he got his job when he was like 26 or 27 and doc liked his enthusiasm, his youth, his, um, positivity. And I think that's uh, in any field, whether you're a manager at Publix or you're in sport management or you're the JV coach at a high school, enthusiasm and, uh, you know, being positive are really, really important. Yeah, and I would say uh, all great advice pieces really for starting a career in sports or any time. You know, I can say I was at a place where JP was um, from 2006 to 2008, where I was out of coaching for two years uh, made a decision to walk away on purpose, um, cause I had burned out and it was a decision, obviously not the same as JP cause, uh, you know, but I think that being able to understand that sometimes God does have a reason, uh, right, for these situations. Right. I know, um, for me without it, um, you know, you, you brought up, by the way, I've never been, uh, I've never been given any credit for an author who to go and uh, be, be ready to write a book uh, after taking one of my classes in graduate school. I, I feel honored that you would say no, that. No, I, I really, and I'm not just saying that because, uh, because of uh, this podcast, I thought, I thought your toughness really helped me uh, write the book. It really, it, kind of, it, it, you know, once I got through your course, it, it kind of gave me some confidence. And, uh, but I think that the tough love, and I think that's, that's sometimes this generation, and I'm not trying to act like I'm 90 or anything, but I think this generation sometimes is shy about that tough love or they kind of avoid it. But that, that's so important. And, you know, I, you know, we, we talked about that. I played for my dad. At, uh, at, at UCF and, you know, I had a chance to play for John Lotz at the University of Florida and uh, I had a chance to play at Providence and I chose UCF and we were NCAA Division II. We were one of the top programs in the country and, but I chose Division II. But my dad was really tough on me. I mean, and I think he was tough on me because he had you know, he didn't want the players to think that he would, he was showing a lot of favoritism. He knew that I could handle it just like I could handle your class 
and I was able to become a better writer, become a better player. You know, I, I, when I look back on my high school career, my college career, um, my college career was probably twice as good as my high school career. And I was first team all state in high school. And, and I know again, I'm bragging, but the, um, I think that not only my dad's system, which really was up and down fast break, um, not as much as Mike uh, Dan Antonio's system, but it was really a fast paced offense. I think that helped me be, you know, be more successful and, and help the whole team become more successful. Right. I, I, I want to kind of jump on what you, you talk, brought up earlier. And for everyone, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate to teach Bo. And when he was working on his second master's degree, this one in sports management at the United States Sports Academy in Daphne, Alabama. And um, Bo, can you talk a little bit about what your impetus was to go back and get your second master's degree after your career was over with as a coach? Well, you know, uh, Tim, I, I knew that about two years, uh, you know, I had been at Flagler for 31 years. And about two years in 2015, I told our athletic director, Judd Damon, who is a fantastic guy and he's doing a fabulous job there. Uh, I told him, I said, Judd, I said, I'm going to coach two more years. And I said, I, I would really like to possibly teach at Flagler uh, and, and I'd, I'd be willing to, you know, to go back and get a master's in sports management. So I went to talk to the president who is just an unbelievable person. I was really fortunate at Flagler. And you talk about uh, other ladders in your life. I had two presidents at Flagler, Dr. Uh, William Proctor, who hired me at 25 and really took a gamble at, you know, with a kid at 25. And then Dr. Uh, William Hebert, who was uh, who just recently retired about three or four years ago, but both of them were just not only great administrators, uh, great role models, but really a big influence on my life. I went to talk to him, and and he, you know he, he was kind of surprised. He said, "Bo, are, are you sure that this is what you want to do? Because we'd like you to stay on as coach." And I said, "Bill, I said." You know, I, I said, I'm at the point in my life where I'd like to do something else. I, I, I didn't mention the book and I wasn't even thinking about writing a book for my dad. I was thinking about teaching at, at Flagler. And I said to the president, Bill Hebert, I said, uh, Bill, I said, I'd like to, I'd like to teach. And he said, well, you'd have to go back and get your master's in sport management. He said, you might be able to do it online. Several, several other teachers have used the United States Sports Academy. And he said, we'll actually pay for it. And I said, you know, I went home and I told my wife and she said, are you sure you, you want to do that? You know, I, she said, you don't know anything about the computer. You don't know how to set, uh, send an attachment. You don't know how to copy and paste. And, you know, and really, and you know this too, Tim, when you're, when you're a basketball coach, you know, you're running camps in the summer, you're, you're really not doing a lot of writing. You're, you're not writing a five page paper on trends in sports management, or, you know, you're, you're writing letters to recruits, you know, for a paragraph, or you're writing a, a note or, you know, to the president or something in a short email. But, you know, 
But like all of a sudden I got, you know, I decided, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, jump in. I continued coaching at Flagler while I was taking a class or two. And uh, that's when I, I took your class. And I, I, I probably don't give the Sports Academy uh, enough kudos, but you guys really did a, a tremendous job, not just you and this podcast, but, um, you know, the Sports Academy was, was, was tremendous. They really kind of helped me with the technology and they, they had to hold my hand a few times to, to, to figure it out. But I, I really did learn a lot and I really felt like I was prepared to teach uh, courses at Flagler. So the two years is up and, and, uh, and Flagler did an unbelievable job on the last home game. They, they had all, all the players, uh, as many as possible come to that. I coached over the years, come, uh, to the last home game. And they even had a bobblehead night, uh, for me, which was really nice. And I, I that was a total shock. And, and, uh, but, uh, you know, my plan was, was to teach. So I, about a, about the last two or three months of, before I retired from coaching 2017, I started to think about writing a book for my, about my dad. And I was kind of like going back and forth because I knew if I taught the courses that I wasn't going to be able to finish the book because I, I really spent five or six hours a day with the book. Now, a guy like you might spend an hour and a half or two hours and because you're a better writer uh, than I am. But there was days when my wife would leave. She teaches at a Catholic school. She teaches third grade and does an unbelievable job. But she would leave in the morning at seven o'clock and I would start writing and she'd get home at four o'clock and I was still on the computer. And uh, I really had to make a decision. Do I, do I want to teach these courses or do I want to finish the book? Because I, I knew I, I'm a, I can do some multitasking, but I, can't, I, I couldn't do both of those. And I, I chose uh, the latter on the book. And, uh, you know, maybe someday I'll go back and, and maybe teach that, the, the coaching course at Flagler. Uh, I would like to really... I didn't really get a chance to go out and promote the book and, and have some book signings. I, 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 the book sold it uh, in Wisconsin just as much as in Florida. And, uh, but I wasn't able to, to go to Barnes and Nobles or uh, to Xavier high school or, or UCF basketball home game and sign books or, or, or whatever. It was just, uh, you know, it's not the greatest thing promoting a book uh, during a pandemic. But it is what it yeah. is. Sure, sure. Well, and I want to bring this up, and I think this is something. It's kind of a philosophy of mine, and and it. And by the way, you did this remarkably as a student uh, when I worked with you uh, back in your master's program. But there are four things, and I think this is something. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I think this is something that I've seen the very best students that I've worked with, whether they're undergrad, graduate, or doctoral students. Uh, not taking feedback personally, acting upon the feedback, work, continuing to work hard and believing in yourself. I mean, I think that that's something that so many times when we work as a teacher or as a coach, um, 
or even just as a mentor, a lot of times people will take feedback personally. And uh, that's one thing you never did with me. Uh, I think you took well, it Well, you know, the thing is, uh, Tim, I, I think you're 100% right. It's not only, you know, that student can't take if there's any kind of negative feedback, but also, you know, I, I think you want your players to be able to handle uh, negative feedback where you call a player into your office and just say, hey, Larry, I want to watch five minutes of this UNC Pembroke tape and, and we're going to really concentrate on your shot selection. You know, we're going to look at all the shots that you took in this five-minute stretch. And, and this is in the second half stretch of the game, which is the most important stretch, as you know. And if that player can take that feedback and say, hey, you know, this wasn't a good shot. You know, the, the, you know Doc Rivers, uh, J, my son JP, used to say that Doc Rivers during film sessions would say to a player, and I always laugh at this, he used to say to a player, and he was real serious about it. He used to, this is when a guy takes a bad shot, you know, kind of forces a shot that you don't really need or is impatient. Doc used to say, that shot was a good shot for you, but a bad shot for the team. And I think as a student, whether it's negative feedback. And that's kind of the way I kind of grew up was, you know, my dad was tough on me and he had to be tough because I was the coach's son. I was shooting 27 shots a game. We were winning, but I was still, you know, taking a lot of shots. And uh, I think that that's really, really important is to, you want to be the best whether it's a student or whether it's an athlete or a sportsman, sports management professional, is that whether you intern or whether you get your first job, you wanna take feedback and handle it and not have an ego. I think that's really, really important to, again, we go back to the word humility. Um, I've had, you know, and you know this too from coaching all the years. Uh, I bet you I had maybe 60 student assistants over the, the course of 31 years. And some of those guys, you know, they call me now. Uh, the other day, a guy called me and he's going through a divorce. And he said, coach, can you, can you, can you give me some, some advice? And I was, I was encouraging him. And I had let's say 60 student assistants, I probably had maybe 45 or 50 that were big time, were took negative feedback, were really positive, energetic, enthusiastic, uh, wanted to be there. And then there was a handful that of kind of, I call them the, the, the know-it-alls where you know, you would say to him, hey, I want you to take this tape home and I want you to uh, watch uh, USC Aiken tonight and I want you to uh, come in tomorrow morning with all their offensive sets. Well, the guy comes in in the, in the morning and we meet and instead of having USC Aiken's offensive sets, the 12 sets or whatever they have, He's telling me that our zone offense 
isn't effective enough. And, and I'm thinking like, you know, you're a student assistant, you know, you're, you know, you're probably going to use me as a reference your whole life. You know, that humility, that, that humbleness, that, and, and, you know, remember there was 50 out of 60 that were really good ones that were good listeners that would have taken that tape home and they probably would have watched that tape 10 times and come in like a, like a professional. And, uh, and that's why a lot of those guys are, are division two basketball coaches, division two athletic directors. Uh, I have one that works for the 49ers in communications. I have one that works for the New Orleans Pelicans that works in uh, director of scouting. I have, uh, I, I have, this is kind of interesting, Tim. I have two ex-players that are NBA reps, two. Now, if you said to Rick Patino, hey, Rick, you know, you've been coaching now for 45, 50 years. How many of your ex-players, you know, whether at Louisville, Kentucky, Iona, you know, wherever, Boston University, where, how many of your ex-players are NBA refs? He'd probably say, well, nobody, uh, you know, but I had, I have two, Jonathan Sterling and Brent Barnicky. And that's something that, you know, when I watch him on TV, I'm thinking like, you know, hey, you know, maybe there was, I influenced them, even if it was 1% or 5% on their future career of being an NBA ref. And uh, so it's not just, you know, sometimes you can get caught up with wins and losses and, and uh, but it's, it's all about building relationships. And, you know, the one, uh, Jonathan Sterling, was really kind of cool because he sent me a picture uh, of, it was right before the game was starting, of him in his, you know, NBA attire, uh, ready to ref his uh, first NBA game. So that was kind of a, a, a cool story. But, you know, I think the, those interns, those student assistants, those individuals that are just starting their career, remember, you know, to be hungry and also to be humble. And that's a, that's a Rick Pitino line right there. Yeah. Well, and, and that kind of goes to the, my final question relating, and, and I would, I would say that it's kind of like what you were just talking about and it's about holding the ladder for others. I mean, you just brought up a number of your former players or student assistants that have gone on the great success. If I were to reach out to Jonathan Sterling or to others, what would they say about how you held a ladder for them? I think they would say that, uh, that, you know, they, that they enjoyed their experience at Flagler. You know, I don't think they're going to necessarily talk about their records, but they're going to, in that, you know, Jonathan Sterling was a Juco transfer that played two years. Brent Barnicky played two years. And I think they would talk about the experience, um, you know, that they had, um, that I was hard, and sometimes there was negative feedback, but they handled it uh, and they, they enjoyed, you know, their experience. Because it's not just all about basketball. You're trying to help young men, you know, become great citizens, to become great fathers, to, to, to become, you know, great husbands and, and great people in their community. And... Uh, I think that uh, right now in my life, it's, it's a different stage. I'm not, I'm not 25, I'm 63. 
I probably get maybe four or five phone calls a week uh, from ex-players, um, maybe for a recommendation. And, you know, it's a lot easier to recommend somebody that when I use that student assistant example of, you know, that hungry and humble one that, that really brought the, the USC Aiken sets and uh, with, with great humility, um, it's a lot easier to recommend guys like that than it is know-it-alls. And, uh, and I think that, you know, hopefully in my career, um, I did hold the ladder. And um, it was really neat too, my, the last home game, I haven't seen some of those guys in 10 years. And, and there was just a lot of love in the, in the gym uh, that day. And it, it really, really meant a lot to me. And, you know, the, and you know this from player coach, you know, sometimes guys are busy. They get caught up with their job and, and their career and they don't talk to you for, for three years. And then all of a sudden they call and, you know, I don't give them a hard time and say, Hey, how come you haven't stayed in touch? You know, I talked to him like I just saw him yesterday. And I think that the reason I do that is because I, I want guys to reach out if they, if they want help, if they, if they ask for advice. And um, it seems like about the last, ever since I've retired, uh, I'm kind of like Mr. Recommendation Letter, which is, which is great, you know, I, I needed that when I was when I was growing up, uh, you know, through my career, growing in my career, and uh, some you know some of these guys need it now. And there are, like I mentioned, JP being out of work this year, there are a lot of people like that. And and again, I you know keep your head up, you know, stay positive, stay connected. That's really really important because things will open up. Things are going to get better. With the with this pandemic and and hopefully we we can kind of get back to a, a normal life. Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. Um, Bo, thanks so much uh, for uh, taking time out of your uh, busy day to to speak with us uh, today. Um, I would give you a, give you a, a minute uh, opportunity to uh, put in the good word about Torchy, the humble life of a coaching legend. Yeah, the uh, book is uh, is available on uh, Amazon and Ingram Spark. In fact, it's at the point right now where you can just type in Torchy, T-O-R-C-H-Y, um, and uh, just write Torchy Amazon, and the uh, site to the book will, will pop up. And then, um, you know, it's available uh, in hardcover, uh, paperback, and then also uh, with uh, the Kindle. And uh, I used, a, I didn't, uh, I had to self-publish the book, uh, which was fine. I worked with a really good company called 1106 Design out of Phoenix, Arizona. And I had a chance to really, again, <laughs> improve my computer skills. Um, I don't know how many books uh, that you've written, Tim, but it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, and I really mean that too. I, I thought trying to beat uh, University of Tennessee at Chattanooga in the South Regional Championship was tough or beating Valdosta was tough, but uh, writing a book, uh, especially since it was so personal about my dad, um, I don't get into 
you know, people say, well, well, how did you write the book? Did you, did you, uh, did you just say, I, I wrote it in third person. And um, I had a couple writers of uh, friends of mine that just said, use Torchy in third person and write it that way. And that's what I did. And I very, I, I did not get into the father son relationship. The book is really not, you know, I would have named it Torchy and Bo. I, I, uh, and that's the one positive thing that I like about the book was that I was really able to give some of my teammates um, in college, kind of give them uh, some extra credit, I guess, or really get a chance to thank them for everything they did in my career. I know sometimes the, the leading scorer on, on the team is one that gets the publicity, but I was really fortunate and blessed to have some great teammates that uh, I was able to really, you know, kind of talk about them in the book. And uh, now I do mention a few things about me in the book, but I, I wanted the book, you know, cause the book is not just about my dad at UCF. You know, my dad, my dad was, and I haven't even mentioned this. I think I did once. My dad was a tremendous football coach. He was at Xavier High School. He was uh, 63, eight and one in eight years. Wow. And his, one of his star athletes was Rocky Blyer from the Pittsburgh Steelers who won four championships. In fact, Rocky wrote the foreword for the book and okay. he did an unbelievable job. He was really gracious and, and he was really excited that, that someone you know, was finally writing a book on, on my dad. But Rocky uh, played for my dad, not only in football, but also was his star basketball player too. And uh, in one year, I actually, one of the chapters is on this. In 1962-63, the academic year, my dad coached both sports, football and basketball head coach. He won a state championship in football, and he also won a state championship in basketball, which I don't know if that's happened to any other coaches. I know it was one of the first times ever to happen in Wisconsin. And I, I spent about 10 or 12 pages on that chapter. And um, so it was really kind of cool during the, this process to, I flew up, this was before the pandemic, flew up to Wisconsin and interviewed some of my dad's players. Some of them were in their mid seventies and uh, they just told story after story. And I used a little tape recorder and, and then I used a lot of clippings and I probably made 60 to 80, 70 phone calls. And, uh, but it was, a, it was a two and a half year labor of love. And, uh, you know, I hope my dad's in heaven, you know, saying, hey, you know, good job on the book, Bo. Uh, but uh, the, uh, it was definitely a, uh, a learning experience and, and an enjoyable experience too. There was a lot of things I learned about my dad that, that I never even knew that I discovered for the first time. That's that had to have been so amazing to to gain uh, a, a different perspective on your dad and and I appreciate we all appreciate you being willing to write the book and and I will make sure that uh, all the listeners have a link uh, to the Amazon uh, well Amazon link for the book that they can go purchase in the uh, show notes um, 
Bo Clark, it's a pleasure to have you, and we're, we're honored to that you would take time out of your day to do this. And um, you know, it's uh, it, it's also great to obviously uh, one of the things that I love about this uh, podcast is that I get to learn something new every single time I host one. So thanks so much for. I mean, seriously, it's one of those yeah. things where. Uh, by the way, to answer your original you know, one question you had, I, I've never written a book, so you're one up on me. I did a <laughs> dissertation, but uh, who knows? Maybe one day. But uh, well, Bo, thanks you're, so much. You're a lifelong uh, learner, and I think that when you talked about uh, sports professionals kind of you know getting their first start, I, I think that we all want to be lifelong learners, whether it's at age 63 or whatever age you are, and. I think that, you know, that's how you really become the, the person that the good Lord wants you to be. So, but thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. It was great talking with you. And uh, I'm going to definitely uh, check out some of your podcasts. And, and I would really encourage everybody out there to, to uh, check out Tim on these. And uh, he's a great teacher. And I'm really thankful that, that I had him in class. I really mean that, Tim, too. And and uh, I always kind of looked at it as kind of a positive thing. Now, maybe if I didn't play for my dad, I would have been real sensitive and, and I would have complained and all that. But I, I kind of looked at it j just the opposite. I think you really, really did. I mean this too, really helped me prepare to, uh, to write this book. And, and uh, it's not perfect and, and I'm not a perfect author, but I think my dad would be, would, would really, really, really be proud of it. I know my family, really enjoyed it. And a lot of his players, I've gotten some great feedback from it, but thanks for having me. Oh, no, no, it was a, it was an honor. And uh, so everyone, thanks. Thanks so much for listening this week. And until our next episode this coming Monday, I hope you have a great week. Take care. Thanks for listening, and until next week, I challenge you to hold a ladder for someone to climb to greater heights than they ever thought possible.